Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Well, good evening, everybody. How you doing? This is BFC Live. We're here tonight for Healing School. And this is actually the uh, fifth installment of uh, taking our uh, vaccination against sickness and disease. And so uh, we've been talking about three steps to allow our body to resist sickness and disease so we can be immune. Let's go ahead and trust the Lord to help us tonight, to give us insight, revelation to the Word of God. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this opportunity that we have to break the living bread, the Word of God with one another. We thank you, Lord, that your Word is life. And so we ask by the person of the Holy Spirit that's in us, cause illumination and light to hit our spirit. Give each one of us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you that the eyes of our spirit would be enlightened so that we may know. We thank you for revelation light now, Father, by the person of the Holy One. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, let's talk about these three areas as we get into our study tonight. We talked about these three areas of becoming immune to sickness and disease. The very first step or the first area that we need to deal with is, number one, we have to locate and resist fear. Fear is really our enemy. And fear is the opposite of faith. Faith is what receives from the Lord, and fear is what withholds what the Lord has for us. So if you would define what fear is, actually it's a lack of trust in the Lord. So then we can make the definition of faith. Faith is a trust in the Lord, and that's really what we want. Understand that the very first thing we have to do is we've got to get away from that realm of fear. Too many of us are really moved by sickness. Actually, we have a respect for sickness. Many times we're very fearful of it. And understand that, that that's something that has to be dealt with. The Bible tells us in Job 3.25 that, that fear will draw that which we fear to us. And so when we're afraid, we're actually in a course heading for what we're afraid of to happen in our life. Faith repels that and gives us what God has for us. So number one, you've got to resist fear. The second step is pretty obvious. Uh, just like natural medicine, which helps to build up our immune system and to kill those, those uh, bacterias and infections in our body, understand that the Word of God does the exact same thing. We're, we're found here in Proverbs 4.22 that it says that the Word of God is life and it brings health to all of our flesh. So I've got to get the Word of God into my spirit, man. I've got to get it into my heart. 
where it can begin allowing that life to begin emanating from my spirit and begin impacting every cell of my natural physical body. So we have to attend to his word. We have to incline our ears unto his sayings. We've got to keep them before our eyes and we've got to keep them in the midst of our heart. And that's when we get what we would call a saturation of the word of God. And I mentioned this several times before and I, I guess it uh, is okay to mention it again. I really feel like this is the most important process. You've got to get the, the word. I have to get the word in my heart. And understand that we're not trying to get information. We're, we're getting revelation. And that revelation of the Word of God, when we begin seeing ourselves, what God has provided for us, that's when faith comes up to a level where it can be productive. And when that level is productive, not only will it dry up sickness and disease that's already in our body, but it'll get us to that place that sickness can't come to our body because that life that's in that word that's working and operating in our inner man will cause it to die instantly. For the spirit of life, and that's what this, the word of God is made of, it's spiritual life, it's everlasting life. It says that the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will go ahead and dry up those laws of sin and death. And so getting the word into our heart is very instrumental. And then we get to the third step, and this is what we've been talking about in the last couple of Sundays. Number three, we have to resist symptoms of sickness. Now understand that faith <clears throat> can be released two ways. Jesus tells us there in Mark eleven twenty four that faith can be released by praying. He says those things that you desire when you pray. And so faith can be released through prayer. But he also said in the, the, the verse before the 24th, in the 23rd verse, that faith can be released by saying. He says that whosoever shall say and not doubt in his heart, but believing that those things which he's saying is coming to pass, it says that individual shall have whatsoever he saith. And so I'm finding out that when it comes to a lot of things in our own personal life, that I'm finding that speaking to the mountain, speaking to the circumstance, using our authority that Jesus has given us is more uh, effectual than praying. We have uh, some friends in the ministry, the, the Keatons, Larry and Angela, and uh, they spent, I think, two decades in Europe. They, uh, the Lord... Uh, used them to raise up a Bible school to train ministers. They also had a church to, to give those that they trained up a blueprint of what the, the local church was to be like. And then after the, that time in Europe, the Lord told them to come back to the United States and, and help bring in this revival that I believe has begun here in the last couple of years. And this what we're dealing with right now is an awakening to the church. And God, God is doing some wonderful things right now. But anyway, they, they come to our church, uh, not every year, sometimes every year, sometimes every other year. And they have a tremendous ministry in cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord uses them in, in miraculous ways. They, they've seen uh, miracles. 
They've seen signs and wonders. The Lord has used them to bring healing to multitudes of people. But you know, they weren't satisfied. Isn't that something? They were already seeing great works of God through them, but they, they were hungry for more. They wanted to see more miracles, more healings, more demonstrations of God's power. But they had been praying for those individuals. And the Holy Spirit showed them, I want you to start speaking to the sicknesses that these people are dealing with and whom they're ministering to. And so they, they found that to be a, a revelation at the time. And so they began to practice that. And they told us that they began to see a, an immediate increase in manifestations of healing just by speaking to them. Instead of asking God to do it, the Lord was saying, you be my representative on earth. You speak to sicknesses. You speak to those conditions. And we see G Jesus did that in his earthly ministry. So how many of you know it's a good thing to follow Jesus? And so this example that, that we're showing in <clears throat> driving sickness out of our body and to stay frick uh, free from sickness and disease is that you and I are actually going to speak to symptoms. And that's when we began to discuss the greatest faith. I want you to go over to Matthew chapter 8. So this may be a little bit different than, than when, what you have practiced, but if you can see it from the Word of God, it's okay for us to practice it. Amen. Now look here in Matthew 8, 5, and this is that testimony of the centurion. And Jesus made that comment to him when he saw the faith of this man that that was the greatest faith. And so here in the fifth verse, it says that Jesus came to Capernaum and the centurion came to him, interrupted him in his, uh, his travels and said, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of a palsy and he's grievously tormented. Verse seven, Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal. Isn't that interesting that multiple times in the earthly ministry of Jesus, he revealed the will of God concerning healing. Notice he says, I will. Now that's encouraging. Amen. Anytime that we have a, a doubt on whether something is the will of the Lord for us to have, we're not in the highest measure of faith. We have to be fully convinced, fully persuaded that it's God's will to have what we desire, want, or need. And so here Jesus, Jesus clearly said that healing for whatever sickness, for whatever condition, for whatever disease, he says, I will come and heal. Oh, glory to God. In verse 8, the centurion answered him. He says, I'm not worthy that you should, you know, come to my house. He says, just speak the word only. Notice he didn't say, just pray. The centurion said, just give the command. Use your authority. Speak to that sickness, and my servant shall be healed. And then Jesus went on when he heard it. It says that he marveled in the 10th verse. He says, I have not found so great faith no, not in Israel. Then down here in the 13th verse of Matthew 8, Jesus said unto the centurion, he says, well, just go ahead and go. 
He says, as thou has believed. Notice he didn't say, as, as I have believed. Jesus said, didn't say, because I believed. He didn't say, because my disciples believed. He didn't say, somebody that you respect in the things of God believed. No, he told the centurion, as you have believed. Understand that God will always honor those things that we believe according to his word. Hallelujah. That's exciting. So he's saying, as you, centurion, as you have believed, so be it done unto thee. So Jesus talks about how this is the greatest faith that he's encountered. And he was talking about an entire country or nation or tribes of Israel. That's profound. And this guy was, was not a, a born Jew. This is not somebody that went through, you know, all sorts of religious training. This is a man who was a soldier. But you see, he understood authority. And so we've been dissecting this greatest faith. We started talking about the ingredients of the greatest faith. I've just highlighted three separate areas and understand that that's not all that can be said. I'm sure there's multiple more areas that we're not going to talk about. But here are at least three of them. And first and foremost, we found out that this centurion recognized that Jesus operated in the power of God, or could we say that Jesus operated under the authority of God? That he was an extension of God, that he had been empowered or authorized to heal. Now, <clears throat> he's, he's saying that he recognized just like he was empowered as a soldier and he was under authority, he saw that Jesus was that way as well. And so understand that when we use our authority that Jesus has given us, we're not doing things out of our own might or out of our own goodness or out of our own experience. We're just under his authority. And so really he becomes, we become an extension of him. When we use his authority and we speak to sickness, understand that he is actually speaking through us. Just like the centurion. When he gave command to those soldiers under him, he was speaking for the authority that he was under. We talked about how our level of authority is directly associated to how much we are submitted to the authority above us. You and I walk in the godly authority to the degree that we're submitted to him. Hallelujah. Just the same case with the centurion. Number two, that the centurion or this greatest faith recognizes that the help that was coming from God was based on grace, God's grace. Too many times when we're trying to get something from the Lord, 
we, we review our life and we, we try and find things that justify the Lord doing something for us. Well, that's basing our faith on works and it's not gonna work. You know that there's nothing that we've received from God in terms of his goodness towards us that we have ever earned or that we've ever deserved. That, boy, when you come to terms with that, it takes a yoke off of our shoulders because our relationship with God isn't based on our good works. It's not based on our accomplishments. It's not based on things that we have done. Amen. Now, that's not to belittle good works. We're, we're told to live a godly lifestyle, right? We're, we're told to live a disciplined life. But what we receive from God in terms of his goodness towards us is based on him and his grace and his willingness to give those things that we don't deserve. It's interesting that the centurion said to Jesus, I'm not worthy. What was he saying? He was saying, there's no reason on my side of the ledger why you should do this for me. I don't measure up to you and who you represent. And, and so I'm in myself. Did you hear what I said? In myself, I'm not worthy. And you know, that's a little bit different than me saying that I am the righteousness of God in Christ, right? My righteousness that I possess now is not because of me. It's because of that gift of righteousness that God has given unto me. You see the difference there? Now understand that humility is a very important factor in great faith. And uh, there was a time, I guess I'm a little embarrassed to tell you this, but there was a time, there was a season where I was all puffed up with me being a man of faith. I'm a faith man, you know, wearing my badge, you know, that said faith man, you know, in that t-shirt, uh, faith man. Uh, how many of you know that, number one, it's his faith. <laughs> it's the God kind of faith. It's not Bruce's faith. It's the faith that he's given to me. I'm just a steward of it. Hallelujah. And so many times when I would pray to God, I was confident in my faith or me operating in the laws of faith. And uh, thank goodness the Lord helped me to see that uh, it's not about me. Uh, my wife just said amen. Uh, <laughs> and I'm still working on that. I'm still working on that, right? Every day I've, I've got to bring myself under him, humble myself under him, recognize that anything that, that's good that happens to me is because of him. Hallelujah. Even things that, that we do that accomplish good, how many of you know that it's him working through us? And it's, the same is true with our faith. It's his faith that he's given us. And so being humble is how we access him being able to exalt us. Look here at James chapter 4, uh, verse 6. It says that he, being God the Father, 
He gives more grace. Now, that's what I want. That's what you want. You and I, we both want, we both need more grace. We need more of God's favor. We need more of those gifts that he's giving to us because we humble ourselves before him. It says here that he resists the proud, yet he giveth grace, unearned, undeserved goodness and favor or gifts to the humble. And so great faith, the underlining attitude of great faith is humility. You're accessing him knowing that you're under his authority. You're operating in those, those giftings and those enablements by and through him, and you're receiving for yourself what Jesus had to purchase by the shedding of his blood and through his resurrection. And so it's all about God in these things. The healing of our body is all about God's goodness. The healing of our body is all, is all about God honoring his word. The healing of our body is all about seeing the will of God that was purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ, seeing it made manifest and alive and working in our life. Now, the third area here is that this centurion understood command authority, or as many times we call it, submission and authority. Now, we've already said that the authority we have is directly proportionate to how submissive we are to God. The more we're submissive and obedient and walking in his light and in his truth, the more authority, the more he can exalt us because we're trusting in him and not in ourselves. Really, that's all humility is. Humility is recognizing that by ourselves we are nothing, we have nothing, and we can do nothing. And how many of you know that that's true? Did you hear me? Apart from God, I am nothing. I can do nothing. Hallelujah. And so when we come to that place where we see how dependent we are upon God, that causes that humility and the recognition of that for God to then exalt us, empower us, and authorize us. So this, this officer understood that when we're submitted to God and we're walking in the light of that empowerment that he gave us, that authority that he gave us, all we have to do is speak the command. Now you understand that speaking the command is connected to our heart. We're not just speaking words. We're giving expression from our heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And it's too many times when we talk about, you know, seeing results by speaking, too many times people think that, well, that's all I have to do. 
No, speaking from your heart is a result of putting the Word of God, the truth of the Word, in our heart. And so we begin to have that word saturated in our, in our heart. And so our speaking is really an expression from our inner man. And that's where that authority and that power comes that's given uh, to us by God through his word. And so he understood that command authority. It's interesting that when he said, Speak the word only. In another translation, it says, just give the order. Just give the order. Have you ever seen yourself with authority over sickness? Have you ever considered that just like Jesus did, that you can speak to a sickness, you can speak to a fever, you can speak to a disease, and that disease will obey you. You see, we've got to get to that place that we believe that we can do what Jesus did when he helped those around us. And we can use that authority just by speaking from our heart and using this command authority. Hallelujah. Now, understand that you and I, we're representatives. We're representatives of heaven. We're not representing ourselves. We're representing the Lord. And I like to use the example of the traffic cop. Now we all know the traffic cop. I guess there's not as many of those around nowadays as there were. Uh, but we understand that, that a traffic cop is submitted to the, the police force or organization that he, in whom he's working for. He alone has no real authority, but he's working under their authority. And because he's representing them, he has a badge, right? He has his whistle, you know, he's got his white gloves, he's got his uniform. And so everybody sees whom he represents. And so when he sees a car coming at him and he needs that car to stop, in order to control that intersection and control the, the traffic, all he does is put up his hand and he commands the, the car to stop. Well, in himself, he doesn't have the power to stop that car, does he? I mean, he's got, I don't know, it could be a 4,000 pound car that, you know, has 300 horsepower under the hood and who knows what else, and he doesn't have the power to stop it. But you know, the driver of the car recognizes what? His authority. And so when he puts his hand up, that driver knows that if he doesn't obey this traffic cop, those that he represents are going to take him to court. And he's not going to come out on the winning end. Hallelujah. And so the traffic cop has what we call delegated authority. He's operating authority under whom he's submitted to. And those are higher up, above him. And those in the world recognize that authority. And that's why they obey him for the most part. Now look here in Matthew 28, 18. Now we've got authority that's a lot better than the traffic cop. Look what Jesus says here. 
This is Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and he spoke unto them saying, all power. Now, here's that word all again. And understand when scripture uses a word like all, it means it's all inclusive. That means everything. So all power is given unto me. Now understand that Jesus received that power through his resurrection, through his victory over death, hell, and the grave. And how many of you know that with that resurrection, he also defeated sickness and disease, which are the effects of the laws of sin and death. And so understand through that victory, Jesus now has all power. And this power is extended both in heaven, and I believe is talking more about this heaven above the earth, because that's where the enemy, he's the prince of the power of the air. Why do we need heavenly authority in the place heaven? No, we need spiritual authority in this stellar heaven, this atmospheric heaven, I should say, above the earth, because that's where the demons are controlling all the demons on the earth and trying to influence us. And so our authority is, is, is all power is given unto Jesus in the, in the atmospheric heaven above earth and on the earth. The Warrell translation says verse 18 this way, And Jesus coming near spoke unto them, All authority was given unto me in heaven and in earth. You see, in the King James it said all power. But Warrell translated it more accurately. He says all authority. I want you to know that authority is better than power. Understand that power, if you have power, is now limited to you as an individual. But if you're given authority, then that authority that you have is unlimited because it's deferred to you by God. Hallelujah. And so with godly authority, we're commissioned to go. Hallelujah. And we go in that authority. This is what it says in Matthew 18, 19 from the King James. He says, go ye therefore, and he's talking about in this delegated authority, being authorized by God to do his work. He says, go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And he says in verse 20, teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded of you. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. So everything that we do in light of what God commissioned us to do and what God has given us, we can do it with that delegated authority that has been given to us through Jesus Christ. Remember how Jesus commissioned the 70? Look at this, Luke 10, 1. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed 
another 70 also. So he had his close disciples working with him, the 12, but then he needed a bigger ministry team. And so he, he went ahead and got 70 other people who were following him, who were disciples of his. And it says that he appointed them and he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would go. So what Jesus would do is he would send these these 70s, he sent them two by two, and he's saying, look, I'm going to be going to this city in the next couple of weeks. You go there and prepare the way for me. Get, begin to tell them what we're doing. Begin to tell them, you know, that the message is coming of, of God's kingdom. And then in verse 19, he also says when they went into those cities, he says, heal the sick. You see, Jesus authorized them he delegated authority to them to represent him to where he sent them to. Notice that part of that authority that they had was to heal the sick. And then to say unto them, the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Now, after they went out and did what the Lord told them to do, it says in verse 17, they came back to Jesus and they gave a report. Well, what did they say? Well, the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils. Now, I, I, I like that that's plural. It's not just the devil, but all his cohorts, all his associates. It says they are all subject unto us. How? Through the name of Jesus. You see, the name of Jesus is the name that God gave him. And it, it represented not only who he was, but what he would accomplish in his defeat of the kingdom of darkness. Amen. And so they said that they're subject unto us through thy name. Then Jesus responded to them in their report. He says, I saw Satan like lightning, and he fell from heaven. Now, look what Jesus says here in verse 19. He says, Behold, look, see, observe, I give unto you. Now, the King James says, says power, but it's better translated authority. I give unto you authority. Remember, power is limited. Authority coming from God is unlimited because he's all-powerful. Hallelujah. He says, I give unto you authority to do what? To tread on serpents and scorpions. And you understand that's a type and a shadow of the devil and his cohorts. And notice he says that you're going to tread on them. Don't you remember that, that Jesus said that he would put the devil underfoot? Hallelujah that he would make earth his footstool. Through the victory of Jesus, the devil has been put under our feet. Years ago, we used to say, you know, I write on the, the bottom of my soles of my shoes when I want to talk to the devil because he's under my feet. You know, we have to see the devil 
and all of his works as under our foot. We have to see them as already being defeated. They did what they, they, they could do, but Jesus showed up and he defeated them and he placed them under our feet. So it says right here, we're gonna tread on serpents and scorpions and check this out, and over all the power of the enemy. You know, you and I, you and I need to start seeing ourselves as being empowered. You and I need to start seeing ourselves not as a victim, but as a victor. We have to start seeing ourselves as overcomers. We need to start seeing ourselves being representatives of heaven. And that through the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he's given us, we've been authorized. And that when sickness approaches us, when sickness comes on our body, we need to have something to say. It's not time to start whining. It's not, start, it's not time to start complaining. No, it's time to say, hey, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, of who I am and of whom I serve, I'm talking to you, sickness, in Jesus' name. Think about it this way. Let's say that, you know, I'm in the privacy of my home and I've got my big screen TV up there in front of me, you know, and I'm just watching, a, you know, a good show. And I'm being entertained and everything's just hunky-dory, so to speak. And all of a sudden I hear, you know, like this little rattling over here and, and I see that the, the, one of my windows, you know, opens up and this guy climbs through the window, you know, and he's got one of those masks on. It looks like a raccoon, you know. He, he's a robber. And he comes over, you know, and I'm sitting there watching TV and he grabs my TV set. Aren't you glad they're lighter these days? You can, one person can carry them. And he starts walking out of the house through my front door with my TV screen. Now, how do you think I would react? Huh, honey, look at this. This guy's taking our TV. Huh, wonder where the dog is. How come my dog isn't protecting me? I wouldn't sit there and just watch this take place. Because I recognize that TV set's mine. I recognize that this home is my home. This is my space. How many of you know that I would do everything within my power to keep him from taking my big screen TV out the door? And I'd be all sorts of uppity because I recognize that that's my possession. I recognize him as being a thief and I'm going to do what I can to stop him. Well, yet in the same token, Symptoms come on my body. And I start calling it my sickness. Oh, I've got a cold. Oh, I've got the flu. I have this. I have that. I begin accepting it. Well, that's why it hangs around. That's why your TV set got stolen. You didn't recognize what was yours. And you didn't recognize that you had the authority to kick that thief out of your house. And so the devil comes through putting sickness on our body to hinder us, to shackle us, to control us. We need to recognize, number one, that that sickness didn't come from God. 
that it's this thief coming to kill, steal, and to destroy. We got to recognize that he is trespassing, trespassing on the temple of God. Our body is the home that not only we live in, but God the Holy Spirit lives in. And we need to have something to say. And that's what Jesus is saying. Even, this is what those returning 70 said, even the devil is subject unto me. He didn't say they're subject unto you. No, I have delegated authority from heaven, and so now the devil has to listen to me. They're subject unto me. And when you and I get a hold of that revelation, when we start getting a hold of what we have and what's been given, woo-hoo, we can get out there and have that authority that God has put upon us. We can begin working it and start seeing the power of God at work in our life. Hallelujah. Well, uh, that's all we're going to do tonight. Is that okay? Looks like I went about 40 minutes. That's probably 10 more than I should have gone. Let's go ahead and believe God and just uh, thank him. Father, wow, I've got power, authority from heaven. You've delegated authority to me as a believer. You said, Jesus, that these signs shall follow me that believe, that in your name, I'll take authority over the devil. And we know that sickness is a work of the devil. And we can speak to that sickness and we can say, uh-uh, honey, you need to leave here right now in Jesus' name. And it will flee. It will flee. Not because we're something, because we're something in you, under you, and you work through us. We thank you for delegated authority. We thank you for deliverance from sickness and disease. We thank you for all things that you've given us through our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you guys are blessed. I say that no evil shall befall thee. I say no plague, no virus, no sickness shall come nigh your dwelling in Jesus' name. Have a great evening. God bless. Bye-bye.